Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. On our show today, episode 157, I'm going to be talking about what we can do when students won't sing for us. Marketing and branding expert Sarah Campbell is talking about the unique aspects of marketing your music studio. And Dr. Heather Nelson is sharing some anatomy and some fun facts about the sinuses, pedagogy, business, and anatomy right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining me for another episode of the Full Voice Podcast. My friend and colleague, this is a great show. I have wonderful guests with fabulous information and what a wide variety. So uh, in just a few moments, I'm going to start talking about what you can do when your students won't sing. Spoiler alert, it's not that big of a deal. And there's lots of things you can do to help support your students. But I also have the wonderful Sarah Campbell from Savvy Music Studio. She's going to be talking about branding and the unique things that we can do as music teachers to brand and um, set ourselves apart from the competition. I always love talking to Sarah. And our good friend, Dr. Heather Nelson, is talking about sinuses. They can ruin your life. No, (laughs) well, we do talk about that. Anyhow, I've got a wide variety of topics and I'm so excited to dive into them. But first, I want to remind everybody that if you are listening to this podcast, February 2022, the registration, early bird registration for the Nats National Convention is now open. I am so excited. I cannot wait to see my friends and colleagues give them big hugs, talk about all things singing with all my favorite people, meet new people. I'm going to be there. We are, I am so honored. I am sharing the stage with Dr. Ginevra Williams and Dana Lentini. We have a beautiful presentation about working with children's voices. Plus I will be in the, um, in the hall with a booth and I will be there for the full voice podcast. So if you're a listener, you must come up and say hello. I'm also going to be sharing all the fun uh, that we have at Full Voice Music. So I'm looking forward to seeing everybody and meeting new people and talking all things singing for a week in beautiful Chicago. I have never been to Chicago. My son is very jealous and he wants to come so that he can go to a ball game in Chicago. Chicago Cubs. Um, Anyhow, I hope you can join us. And if you're interested, the lineup is incredible. Please visit nats.org, N-A-T-S.org for all the details and for the early bird pricing, you can take advantage of that now. There is nothing more challenging, awkward, uncomfortable, makes you feel the feelings when you're working with students and they don't want 
to sing for you. Now, I want to shout out to um, teachers of our forum. Uh, Dana Lentini and I moderate a forum, Voice Teachers for Young Singers. And we really do have a great group of people. Uh, And there's been a couple of posts over the last month about this topic. What do you do when children don't want to sing? And different scenarios as well. One of them was uh, a group class, that an introductory uh, first class is in a small group class, vocal class. And one of them was a first lesson for a very young six-year-old. And I want to thank those of you who are in forums and participating in helpful, supportive ways. And, um, I, I do appreciate that. And I have to say that the threads for these, um, posts have been, you know, 99% really supportive. And some teachers have brought up some incredible insight and points to consider. And I, I'm so thankful. And it was one of the reasons why I wanted to do this little segment. Um, before I dive into the specifics of children not wanting to sing, I do want to point out a few things and experiences that I have had. First of all, I have worked with adults including professional performers who have also shown up to my studio and not felt comfortable enough in the beginning to sing for me. This is not uncommon, friends, and although it can be a little frustrating And I think in most cases, it's not just awkward and uncomfortable for the student, it's almost more uncomfortable and awkward for us. And I think it's important for us to check in with what's going on, what narrative is going on in our minds, um, and what strategies do we have in our teaching toolbox? Because this is nothing unusual and it happens to all of us. So I have had adults come to me um, who have uh, not sung for me for a lesson or two, uh, and they're just not ready. Now, I've had sneaky, sneaky adults that have just been asking like lots of questions and avoiding the actual singing part of the lesson, and I give them their space. In my younger days of teaching, I would have rushed them into exercises, which reflecting back, I don't think they would have been able to really show me much if they're really stressed out and nervous. Um, and I've had uh, I've had uh, adults that have, in my opinion, I feel that they have really they're really fighting that fight or flight response. They're they're shaking, their voices are quivering, they get frustrated, they'll stop and start and they'll make all these apologies. And those can be very awkward, stressful lessons. But our conversation today is about children and young singers. Um, and I I think there's some simple strategies that I have been using that have been successful, but also there's things that we need to take into consideration. Uh, And there's also things that we can do to help families and to manage expectations. I think that's part of the awkwardness 
that happens. And I'm talking about the awkwardness on the part of the teacher, because we do, as soon as a singer won't sing, we have this, we have all these activities for singing. We have all these warm ups and exercises and all the fun things we want to do. And as soon as a student isn't willing to sing, we kind of feel that the lesson has been sabotaged. It hasn't. There's so many things we can do. The first thing I want to, I want to encourage teachers to do is to manage expectations. I have always in talking to families before the first lesson, I have expressed the fact and reminded moms and dads that singing takes courage and it may not happen in the first lesson. And that is okay. Because friends, parents are just as nervous, even more so when they bring their children to a professional or into lessons. Parents are just as worried that their students are going to show you, that their their child is going to show you their aptitude and their enthusiasm. And it can be very stressful for mom and dad when that doesn't happen. Now, I do want to acknowledge that parents who have children that have anxiety, who are really shy, are very, very aware, very stressed out, They see this wonderful child at home that is capable and has an aptitude, has an appreciation that loves to sing and they bring them to you and the child just closes up. It's awkward for everybody. So how can we support everyone? Well, you manage their expectations by letting them know that they are off the hook, that they can not worry that you are not worried if the child does not sing, that there is a lot of things we can do and there's a lot of activities. And I'm going to share my go-tos. First of all, with little ones who are shy, uh, well, actually I'm going to, I'm going to circle back to that. Um, when a child walks into a new space, um, if you ever watch a child, when they come into a room, they are looking around. There's, there's new things in your room. You might have props. A lot of teachers have like cool kid friendly props. There's a lot of information that they are trying to absorb. They are also probably really worried. So they, it may be best. And and I always have parents in the room. Um, just for the record, I do not think it is appropriate to ask a child to come into the room with you. You are a stranger. I think parents need to be in the room with the child first. Um, I think that's very important. I remember going back to when my son was in junior kindergarten. The first day was a meet and greet and all the parents and their kids came to the classroom and we met the teacher and we took a tour of the classroom and the teacher talked about what was going to happen. We're going to come in. We're going to have carpet time. I'm going to read a story. And then the kids got to kind of meet each other and, and look around the room and touch some of the learning stations. That was the first class that my, that our, our children had in kindergarten. So please do not dismiss parents too quickly. They need to be there for safety reasons, for support. Now, 
when my students are super comfortable and they and they are quite happy and I know the family really well, I don't have a problem with a drop off. Um, so, but that doesn't happen for a while. In some cases, not for a few months. Now, getting back to our students. So, we want to give them time to get used to the space. We, if you are like me and you have learning stations or different learning stations, again, I like to show them, oh, this is, we can go over here, or we can go over here. Um, but when we are starting with activities, and if I see that a child is very shy, the most important thing that I like to do with my students is make sure that they have choices. This is one of the fundamental things that we can do to create, to the best of our abilities, safe spaces. If a child does not have choice, they will shut down. And you need to have different options about how activities can be facilitated in order to make them feel comfortable. So if I have a young singer... I may, I have in the past allowed them to do some of the exercises while sitting on mom and dad's lap. With other children who are looking around my room, I've given them the invitation to, would you like to sit down with me on the, on the carpet and we can do some, uh, some tonic sofa hand signs, some solfege hand signs. Now here's where we can modify our approach Again, it's okay, repeat after me, it's okay if they don't want to vocalize for you at first. You can use the solfege. You can say, well, I like to do these exercises and they have, we do them with our hands and with our voices because a lot of your students will be happy to do the hand signs for you and they can practice the hand signs first my second step is we could just speak the words. So I always start with do, re, mi. I sit down on the floor and I teach do and I say, can you do this with your, can you do this with your hand? And I said, we could say the word do and I'll say it for them, but we could also sing the word do, do. And then I just do little patterns. Now, if a child is happy to do the hand signs, awesome. You're on the right track. That is exactly how you can get started with them. So what I might do is I might say, okay, we're gonna do three does and we'll do three does. And then one of the things that, and again, play-based learning, play-based learning is not goofing around, it's powerful and it can help students, young children, navigate and diminish fear and embarrassment. So if you can keep things lighthearted, if you can make them giggle a little bit, they're going, those walls are going to come down and they're going to be more willing to try some of the things that you are saying. So again, we're giving them choice and we're letting them do things at their own pace. So if I'm sitting on the floor 
and they don't want to sing, that's okay. They can do the hand signs and they're willing to do the hand signs. Maybe they want to speak it, do, do, do. And then I always use this little, this little um, strategy if I want to make them kind of giggle. So I'll say, okay, let's do one long do and we'll sing it, do, or I will sing it. And if I'm doing the singing, that's okay. Trust me, friends, they are listening. They are listening and they are taking it in, in their time. But then I'll say, okay, let's do three does. And I'll go, do, do, do. And I'll be like, oh, good. I saw you do that with your hand. That's excellent. Can you try it with the other hand? And we can go back and forth. But then I'll say something to make them laugh. I'll say, let's do 1,627 does. And then we'll go really, really fast. Now, usually that makes them giggle right? And as soon as they giggle, we can all say, oh, I'm just being silly. But you can be silly in music lessons. And that's a good icebreaker. Then the other little strategy that I love, and this is so helpful, friends, is um, if we are always the one asking the child to do something, there is a power issue there, right? So if we can turn over the teacher role to our student, we can also help to alleviate some of their fear, right? Because we're handing over the control. So I would say to a student, can you sign for me? And can you be my teacher? And, and you sign and I'll sing for you. And that's another way. And then if I, if I know that they're really paying attention, if they're really keen, I might actually like make a mistake, deliberately make a mistake. Sometimes it's not deliberate. I just make a mistake, but then I'm like, Oh, oh, I think I made a mistake. Oh, well. And that's a wonderful way to, to, to show the child that they, there's no pressure. We, uh, we make mistakes. The teacher makes mistakes. It's okay. That is a wonderful strategy and a wonderful way to get them started. And again, parents are in the room. Um, sometimes parents, uh, you know, if they're really resistant, they'll say, how would you feel if your mom or dad came over? Do you think your mom and dad could do this? And this is a wonderful way to get parents involved because then parents can, uh, can do these activities at home. Now, the feedback that I've gotten from parents is usually the second they got in the car, they were singing their do re mis in the back seat doing their hand signs and I had to sing it and then we had to show their brother at home. And so even though they might not be comfortable to show you, quite often they take all of that information that you gave them in the lesson... <laughs> <laughs> and and they do it with their families and with at, at home. And then I have always seen, now they're still a little cautious and they're still a little shy, but I've always seen um, uh, a, an eagerness when they come back. Now, um, friends, I do want to uh, remind um, a few people. I want to give people some things to think about. If, if these strategies are new to you, first of all, I want to encourage you and challenge you to give them a try. If you are eager to play the you're not ready for lessons yet card, I want to challenge you to try these strategies and to have a little or a lot some patience and kindness. And I want to shout out to 
uh, my friend Jennifer, who's a very a helpful participant on our forum and a wonderful teacher. Um, she brought this to my attention and I have to say it's something that wasn't on my radar because right now I'm not welcoming new students into my teaching studio, but we have to be mindful and make the consideration. And this is something that will be impacting all our students uh, for the foreseeable future. So if you have young singers, so um, say six or seven, it is important to recognize that due to the pandemic, they have had a completely different experience in school than children um, who started uh, before the pandemic. So we are dealing with kids that have been more isolated, that have not had the time or the experiences with their peers, with children of their own age. Uh, we also are working with children who have had less exposure to adults. Uh, some school experiences have been disrupted. So they were online and then they went back to in-person and then it went back to online. I know in Ontario, it was back and forth. Um, and it, wherever you are, it's helpful to know what type of experiences your, ch your kids have had and not that that should be a deterrent, but just something that you are mindful about. So they may need more time to get settled. They may need mom and dad to be active participants in the lessons. So mom and dad are doing the exercises and the clapping with you. They may need more reassurance and more slowly paced um, classes and lessons. Um, I think we have this amazing opportunity to really be present and mindful and understand that young, well, all students have had a different experience. So we are dealing with a lot of, um, a lot of different experiences. Now, I don't want to blanket everybody uh, that they have all had traumatic experiences. I know that not to be true. Uh, my son personally had his best year academically online. And yes, it was challenging. Uh, yes, uh, you know, we had to work through some challenges. I truly believe that children are resilient and if they have the supports with their parents and their families and their community, that they will be just fine. That is not everyone. Some children have had very traumatic experiences. There's a lot going on. Now with saying all of that, I am not an expert in trauma or in childhood development. However, Seeing that this is going to be a very big subject for us and we are going to be faced with these challenges, I have invited and I will be doing some interviews with trauma-informed teachers who are working in that field and we are going to be talking about these things um, 
over the next uh, few months, because I think it's something that's going to be a big issue in our studios. So I'm very excited. Uh, Megan Durham is uh, a trauma-informed teacher. She does beautiful work. She has agreed to come onto the show. I cannot wait to speak with her. Uh, she uh, has brilliant information, and I've started following her, and I cannot wait for her to talk to you. So we are going to be talking about that. Um, there's a lot of things coming up for our, our studios and for our students. And I think we can be mindful, present. I think we can, uh, be kind and patient. And a lot of cases, I think the issues are more ours and the worries and concerns, um, especially with, uh, uh, welcoming new singers. Now the other example, and I certainly have experienced this with my small group classes, when I start my new classes, for some of the kids in the class, they may not wish to sing with the other children. And I want to encourage teachers and remind teachers, this is okay. This is just fine. Um, please don't worry. Give them the space. Let them enjoy the class on their own terms. Now, a, a while back last year, I think I talked to um, early childhood music educator Ben Bowen. Now, Ben does classes for preschoolers and uh, parents are in the class. And we did talk about that. We did talk about, you know, children may not want to sing. And he brought up a couple of things. One, in his class, children and their parents are asked to participate. And sometimes it's the parents that don't really want to participate. And Ben has had to teach the families and encourage the families and inspire the families to want to participate because if, the, if moms and dads aren't participating, then the children will hesitate as well. Um, but he also says that, uh, children, again, same thing that I mentioned before, even though they may not be singing in class, the feedback that he gets from many of his parents is that they do take the music home with them. And when they are in their safe spaces, they are often singing the songs and Ben provides recordings of the music that the kids are singing and playing and learning. Um, and that is shared at home. And the feedback is usually once the children get home, they are safe they feel safe, they feel secure, and then they will sing. So again, we're giving them the space. They are not, just because they're not participating does not mean that they are not absorbing and listening and learning. So again, voice teachers, stop putting all this pressure on yourself uh, to make things happen. Give students choices let the parents be involved, give the parents some, um, uh, some guidance and manage their expectations and let parents know that it's okay that the children aren't singing. And when it comes to your studio offerings, this is where I think, um, we can, we can serve people better and in a, in a more kind way, if we offer what I would call a trial period 
rather than a trial lesson. And one of the things that I started doing with my adults many years ago, which has served me very well, is to offer the minimum amount of lessons that an adult can sign up for is four. I need four lessons with you to really get into some good stuff. And I find that that has a eliminated the people that were just looking for the quick fixes that weren't going to get much out of one lesson. And it has allowed them to get comfortable in my studio where we can actually start to get to work. So I think that's very helpful. A, a package of trial lessons allows the student to get comfortable. It allows the parents to understand how your studio works. And yes, it allows you to, to assess the student and also see if that family is a good fit for you. For those of you who are offering one lesson and you expect people to toe the line after only like 15 minutes, hmm, I'm, I think we can do better. I think we can, I think we can appreciate that you do not have all the information. They do not have all the information and more time is necessary. I hope this little segment is helpful. I hope that we have, uh, can take some time to reflect on, uh, how different things are for children now after, um, being in a pandemic for two years. And as we move forward, we will have to do so mindfully in order to truly, truly support our families and their students, our, their children and our students. And I think there's wonderful ways that we can do that. And I know that you are up for that challenge. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome back the delightful Sarah Campbell. Sarah has been a guest on this podcast. In fact, she was one of my first guests way back in episode 15. She is a marketing and branding expert, specifically working with music teachers and music studios. She is kind, funny, helpful. She has helped so many people just really grow their businesses and build businesses that they love. And I am thrilled that she is here. Without further ado, Sarah Campbell. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend, colleague, and marketing, social media, and branding expert, Sarah Campbell. How are you? Oh, Nikki, I'm really good, and I'm very excited to be back. I had no idea that it had been so long. <gasps> it feels like oh. just yesterday that we were chatting, but it's uh, been a while. It has been a long while. And for my listeners, I do want to tell everybody uh, back, I think it was probably like the second year we were doing the podcast. Sarah was on episode 15. And what? we're now in like the 150s. So that was a long time ago. Um, and on episode 15, Sarah, you were talking about um, workshops, summer workshops. Oh, yeah. Right? That was like 
my favorite topic. It still is. I still love talking about that kind of stuff. I took a lot of that wonderful information and I ran some summer workshops with some of like with my littles. Like I took all of that information. See, the secret is my podcast. Really, I take all the information for myself. Um, (laughs) But then we also had you back. Oh, that was five years ago. Five years ago. Wow. I know. And then we all, uh, episode 99, episode 99, and you were talking about branding. Yes. And that was My two years topic. ago. Two years ago. Time really flies. I know. I know. Well, I'm, and uh, to my audience, I, this is a fun fact. Sarah, you were my first American guest. No way. I did not realize that. You were like, you were so lovely. Okay, so this is how you were so lovely on the socials and you were engaging and you were talking and we got talking on the socials and you were just so friendly and awesome that I actually had the courage to ask you to be on the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm so glad that you did. Like it it was so much fun and I I so enjoy listening to what you're doing now. Um you've got so many interesting people on here and I'm I'm just so excited to be back. Like oh. wow. <laughs> well, I wanted to I actually I want to uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask this question. So what you've been, you've been working with teachers and you have your brand savvy music studio uh, and your company is all about helping teachers with their marketing and their social media messaging and their branding from our last visit. So two years, what has changed? What has changed for voice teachers or music teachers out there trying to, trying to get their message out? Well, of course, the pandemic happened. So, you know, this was a a big shift for so many of us. And I think, um, I mean, I, I believe that a lot of positive things have come out of this. I, I mean, we're starting to, fingers crossed, get like closer to our new normal. I'm so tired of that phrase. But um, we've learned a lot of stuff about ourselves. And so many of us like did the online thing and we got more savvy with learning to use our social media. We got more savvy with learning to use Zoom or we like hopped ship and <laughs> you found something that was better than that. And, um, you know, we've learned a lot about ourselves. So I think the the big thing now is that I'm, I'm hearing so many teachers saying things to me like, you know, I think it's time for me to shift my business. Like I've gotten a taste of what it might be like to work with a different clientele or like I've gotten a taste of what it might like, what it might be like to work during daytime hours. So I'm seeing these voice teachers making big, brave decisions um, and going after what they want. And so I'm like, this is cool. I'm on board with this. Yeah. Do you think, do you think, the pandemic encouraged or inspired people who probably were a little stuck? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I think so. I think we we either rose to the challenge or we decided to stay stuck. But the majority of people that I've um, been witnessing, because I, I would think, you know, I'm, I'm in the spaces where people are asking questions and, and they're, they're wanting to, to, um, do the brave things. Uh, the majority of people that I'm seeing are, 
are choosing not to be stuck and they're choosing to to make some pretty cool decisions with the direction that they want their voice studio to go in. And it's it's so much fun to see. Oh, I love it. I, I've been in awe of some of the um, changes that people have made and seeing. I remember just getting started on Instagram, like I would say about two years ago that we started really using it and, and not seeing a lot of music teachers. And now it is so vibrant. There is, people are sharing their, their behind the scenes, their students, their fun offerings. It's, it's real. I love it. I think it's just so amazing to see people lifting themselves up and celebrating what they do. Yeah. We've got some pretty, pretty cool voice teachers out there in the world working together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now I, I want to come back to branding um, because I think, I think for those of us who trained as musicians, as singers, getting into the business and the skill set of marketing and branding can sometimes be very overwhelming. And w- can we just start with, I would love to know what your definition of branding, what is that? If somebody were to say to you, Sarah, I don't know anything about branding. What is it? So first off, I think like it's such a confusing term for people because if you go on Google and you look up like, what is the definition of branding? You're going to see like hundreds of definitions. There's no like, there's no definition out there. I feel like, especially for our our industry that like really speaks to what branding is when it comes to being a voice teacher. So like in a nutshell, I like to describe it to people as this. Okay. When you're working on your brand, what you're working on is figuring out how can I communicate to my audience what makes me different and what sets me apart from other studios. And another way to to look at this is how can I communicate to my audience how I can help them? Because there's a lot of aspects that go into branding, um, but I know that the term itself like feels confusing. So does the term marketing sometimes. I mean, these can these terms that um, you know people outside our industry, you know, the people who are writing big blog art- articles on like Medium.com and things like that, you know, they get real technical with st- this stuff, and it it can really turn. Uh, voice teachers off from learning more about branding, um, and myself included, because when I was really getting into this, I was like, Ugh, like some of these, the way that people talk, talk about it, it feels, it feels kind of fake and cheesy to me. And that's not what I want to bring back to the voice teacher world. Mm. Do you think it's harder for creatives sometimes to get into the business side of things and, and to look at those kind of things? Yeah, because um, it, you know, branding and marketing and and business decisions, they require us to use, you know, different parts of our brain. (laughs) Although what I love about inside of branding and marketing is that there there are these creative aspects of it. Um, And so when when I'm working with people on like developing their brand, that's what I like to kind of focus in on, because I think as voice teachers, we're naturally creative. And if we can focus on those elements 
um, then we're able to start like drawing out the stories that we want to tell. Um, we're able to, you know, get excited about picking out colors and fonts. And, and you know, that that's like the superficial stuff of branding. But let's all be honest, it's the fun stuff. And everybody wants to jump straight into Canva <laughs> and start creating Guilty. cool stuff. Yes, I know. Uh, my husband jokes. He says that I shop for fonts and graphic assets like most women shop for clothes. <laughs> That's a great visual. I can just see you walking through a store and like picking up a font and put it right into in a my, basket. Right in the basket. And, uh, and yeah, but there's a, there's a couple of websites that I go to all the time. And if my husband comes into my office, he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, you're nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I want to circle back to what you were saying about st- your story, like telling your story. Um, I think so. I, when I first started kind of uh, with with Full Voice and with my teaching studio, I kind of felt like I wanted to put up a wall, of pro- professional wall. And I didn't want people, like I wasn't, I wasn't eager, maybe that's the word, to share my story. Is that a common thing? Like, do you find people maybe are a little hesitant to share their story when they're working on their marketing messages? hundred percent. I think that this is something that many teachers um, feel like a, a big block around. And I think, you know, I've done a lot of thinking about this. Um, me personally, like I, I come from a theater background and, and I think a lot of voice teachers had some theater background. Um, but, you know, having that theater background allowed me to um, think about like what other people need to hear from me, um, you know, being able to like step into their shoes and, and to think about like, well, if I were a, you know, if I'm, I'm coming at this from the standpoint of, I'm thinking of my private studio, cause I still have a private studio. Like if I were to put myself in the shoes of a, um, a teenager who is in high school and, um, they are auditioning for like we in, in the states we have things called like district choir, regional choir, state, you know, all state, and things like that. If I were to put myself in in that person's shoes, you know, I'd have to think about well, what would I be looking for in a teacher? Like what what do I need to hear from them? Like, and I'd also be thinking about what are the problems that this person is facing. Um, and so I think for for some of us who have a little bit of a theater background, like that's one element, like you can use some of the tools that you already have to start thinking about storytelling from the perspective of your clients. But harder than that, I think you already like, you hit on this, like it's hard to tell our own story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a really good tip about kind of channeling some of the, some of the skills that we already have, but now we're going to use them in our business, in a business way. I, I like that. Do you find that, um, do you find that uh, when when we're talking about branding or w- marketing or social media, um, that there's a there's a tendency to maybe hesitate because we're comparing and despairing? You know, like we're looking at everybody else's like I'm doing air quotes here highlight reel, and we start to really think about oh my stuff isn't that good or I'm not doing that. Like, do you do you run up against that as well? Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, the social media is fabulous, but it can also like throw us into this, this, what you said, like this despair and compare um, kind of situation. Um, And so what I like to focus on is like, 
let's put some blinders on for a second and ignore what everybody else is doing. And let's ask the important question. What do you want to be able to do? Hmm. Like what lights you up? You know, you know, who is that student who like every time they walk into your studio and you have a lesson with them, you leave the studio that day going like, oh, I'm a voice teacher and it's the best thing in the world. And that's really scary. I just kind of semi sang on your podcast. I'm sorry. No, it's awesome. I love that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. You know, so like focus on what makes you happy and like this, the, the people that you can work with that you are literally changing their life. Hmm. And it's not even about like, it's not even about the singing. It's about the fact that when they come and they work with you, they leave there a happier person. They leave there a better person, a more whole person. Hmm. And Hmm. so if we can like stop comparing ourselves to what so-and-so is doing and like the, the offers that they have or whatever, we can, we can start really thinking about what makes you special and focus on that. That is so helpful. That's so helpful. Thank you for that. Because I know that even even after all these years of, of, of you know, and jumping into social media, there's still days where I'm like, oh, I've said this so many times. Is anybody listening to me? Or, oh, I, you know, I sound like a broken record. And, you know, is this the right font for this post? I don't know. <laughs> I better go shopping again. This is really helpful. And and I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank you for um, just taking the time to kind of go over these, these reminders. Cause I, I know that it's challenging. And I, I think as, as creatives, we, we spent so much time and effort learning to be great singers and great piano players. And then we get we, we open our studio and now we're supposed to be great marketers and business people. And it's so challenging. And I think, I love that. I love that you're working with people and helping them to find their voices. Um, now you have a very exciting program coming up and I know that you've done this a few times. So I would love for you to just kind of let everybody know about your branding boot camp. Oh, yes. The most marvelous name for a course, right? It just, I love it. It kind of came in the, the first iteration and it's stuck. And um, so I, <laughs> but I like it because alliteration is fun. Um, <laughs> so Branding Bootcamp, this is our fifth round. Uh, so I've been, we've been doing this for a while. Um, it is, it is, I'm so passionate about this class. Um, I only run it twice a year because it's rather intense and um, it, it involves a lot of time and a lot of um, a lot of emotional labor, a lot of you know investment in in really wanting to see people succeed, um, and a lo- and a lot of brain power <laughs> on everybody's part, not just on mine. Um, so it's a small it's a small group experience um, where we work with. Um, this time it'll be twelve teachers, and we start from the beginning. Um, the found, you know, setting the foundations of what is a brand in your studio. And I've developed, um, it's a, it's a course with seven, uh, modules in it where every week we meet and we get to dive into another topic of, or another element of developing your brand. And then the teachers get to work together on zoom and it's like super fun. We, um, we have a lot of fun with, uh, 
gifts. I'm a big fan of gifts. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. We, we, we like to, um, we're doing hard work, but we're having fun while doing it. And, um, in this last round that we did in the fall, um, it was, it was so fun to witness the shifts that teachers created in their businesses, um, whether they were like going the do it yourself route and like revamping their website themselves, or if they like were going outside and hiring somebody after they had done all of the foundational work. Um, it was so cool. And what I love, the best thing about it is that all of these teachers came out of the class and now they have all these new friendships and they're still hanging out on zoom together. Oh, that's lovely. I love that. You know, the having a group of professionals that cheer you on, and you and I know all about that because we, we are in the speakeasy and, and what a powerful group that is. I love to hear that, that, that that's happening. So beautiful. It's, so beautiful. Really, it's really a great process. And, and it's so interesting to see, um, you know, what it is that brings people to the class. Everybody has a little bit of a different reason um, because branding can play into so, so many shifts that we can make. You know, is it that you're wanting to shift into teaching a new type of clientele? Um, maybe you're launching a course. Uh, maybe you're, you're like, Hey, you know, my website <laughs> is non-existent and I need help. I need to know how to, to communicate what I do. Um, you know, there's, there's so many different reasons that people sign up and it's interesting to see all of the results, um, on the other side, you know, not just in the class, um, but like in the months that follow after the class, I, I am still following people on social media. I'm still like messaging them and DMs and things like that. And they'll come to me like six months later and they're like, Sarah, you will not believe what happened. Check this out. And then they share like some amazing success story that was born out of the fact that they were brave enough to really sit down and figure out who do I want to be? Who do I want to help? And how can I communicate that with the world? I love this. And, you know, going back to what you said about, you know, the pandemic and all the changes that we've been through. I mean, something like this would be so powerful for somebody who is now recognizing that their studio, their models, their offers have changed and they want to really hit the ground running and get the skills they need to, to grow I mean, I'm doing air quotes again, like a new business, right? Um, I think what a great opportunity to work with with people and have that support team around them. Yeah, it's fun times, fun times. How can my listeners find and follow you? And for those who, who know uh, that they are ready to make this commitment, how can they reach out? Um, so you can find me, um, at SavvyMusicStudio.com, and you can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Savvy Music Studio. <laughs> I've tried to keep everything the same because, <laughs> you know, branding, um, <laughs> well and, done. Uh, you know, for this particular round in the spring, we get started on March 4th. So if there's anybody who's listening to this now and they're like, Hey, um, that sounds interesting, you know, reach out. Um, and you know, if you want to get on a, if, if you're listening to this later and you're like, dang, I missed it. Don't worry. There's going to be another one. So reach out and I can help you get on the wait list. Oh, Sarah, thank you so much. And, and for all the teachers that are working with you, like, just thank you for what you do. I know that you have, uh, I know that you've helped a lot of our friends and colleagues and, uh, and it's just so nice to see. It's so nice to see teachers taking ownership, really celebrating 
what they love to do and then putting out these amazing offers into the world. So thank you for everything you do. And um, thank you, Nikki, for providing a platform where we can talk about these things. I love the Full Voice podcast, and I'm always excited to be on it. Oh, thank you, Sarah. I'm going to put all of Sarah's contact information in the podcast episode show notes. Please check that out. And Sarah, you have so much fabulous upper, like fabulous information. I'm going to have you back. We can maybe deep dive into some specific branding excitement. Sounds like a plan. Dr. Heather Nelson is returning to the podcast and over the past season, she has been sharing wonderful, fun facts and interesting details about different parts of the body in relation to singing and singing teachers. Today, we're talking about the sinuses. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast, my friend, my colleague, a vocologist, Dr. Heather Nelson. Uh, how are you today? Doing very well, thank you. I'm so glad to be with you. So for, the, for my listeners who are in the Northern Hemisphere, we are now going into our wintry weather. And we, so today our topic is um, uh, uh, slimy sinuses. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe well, that's not... actually kind of correct. Yes. Oh. <laughs> okay, I have sinuses. I, sinuses. I've always struggled with my sinuses. As a singer, my I always would get a sinus infection, and then it would turn into a throat infection. Like always and I've had some really horrific sinus infections that I've had to take medication for and I've had extended illnesses due to sinuses and uh, so I am hoping that you will give me some information that will help me to not suffer anymore in the winter. Yeah, sinuses can ruin your life fa- almost faster than anything else. <laughs> that's terrible. The, that's so, the branding um, first, for sinuses. Sinuses. Oh, yeah. They can ruin your life. I love it. <laughs> they should have a website. So, um, first off, we we are always when we say sinuses, we are we're talking about the paranasal sinuses. We actually have a few other sinuses in our body. A sinus is really like a hole or a cavern. And so you have a few of them in other places in your body too. We don't tend to pay attention to them either unless something goes terribly wrong. <laughs> um, but so when, we t- when we're talking about the sinuses, usually we're talking about the paranasals. But, you know, fun fact that you can gross people out with is that, yes, you have sinuses in other places in your body too. And, you know, um, we don't have a lot of just caverns of space in our body. Most of our, our organs are all up against each other and everything. But these little sinuses are just spaces where there's nothing in them. And, um, you know, that's how our bodies are. Okay. Bodies are weird. Okay. <laughs> this is, I'm asking you this because one of my kids would ask this. So what's the purpose of these cavities in my body? That's a really excellent question. And we don't really know. Wow. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, specifically with the, the sinuses in our head, parana- paranasal, of course, means like around the nose, around the nasal passages. We don't actually know why they're there. Hmm. Um, there's there's a few speculations. One is that we may have needed them some time in our past, and we don't need them anymore, And so, but they're still there because, you know, genetics. 
Um, it could be that they are meant for helping um, to add some resonating space for our, our voices. Um, there has been some work done and we, we can't really use them for singing so much. They're too small and they, they, they resonate um somewhere between the area of 1000 kilohertz and 2000 kilohertz. So that's not a sound that we like, we can't make that fundamental frequency sound, you know, like 1000 is about like the super C that sopranos, you know, two octaves above uh, middle C. Um, so it may resonate some of that to kind of help sound be fuller and carry more. And so that may be some sort of a reason that we needed it. It may be that our skulls are really heavy and having those spaces help our skulls be a little lighter, especially on the front of the face. You know, mm. maybe if we didn't have them, we'd walk around with our faces on the ground all the time because <laughs> our skulls would be too heavy. I don't know. Um, it, um, there's been some speculation too, because of the way that they're made. Um, you mentioned that they're slimy, <laughs> you know, they are all covered in an epithelium that makes mucus. And so it may have a role in, um, particularly when we're breathing through the nose in moistening the air. That's a terrible word. We all hate that word, <laughs> but, um, putting some moisture in the air before it goes down into the lungs. But the actual reason why we have, uh, sinuses are not really well established or oh, agreed upon that's fascinating so they exist to ruin our lives for no good reason <laughs> hmm. hmm interesting interesting now um as somebody as somebody who does suffer if i'm gonna get sick for me it's always a sinus infection mm -hmm. um there are a lot of different uh things that people do some are recommended some are not and I mm -hmm. think also you have to do what's best for you. But what are what are some of the some of the um, therapies or remedies that you know of that you would recommend or not recommend? Mm -hmm. So obviously, if this is an issue for you, talk to your doctor. Um, when we're getting a sinus infection, um, what's really happening is that that epithelium, and this is the same kind, you know, our vocal cords are also covered with an epithelium that also pumps mucus out onto the epithelial surface. Um, and so very, not exactly the same, but a similar kind of process is happening in the sinuses as well, um, just to keep uh, the inside of those lubricated. But that lining gets inflamed and then it starts overproducing mucus and that overage, um, is what, you know, basically ruins our life for, you know, for a day or, or so. Um, and sometimes that mucus can get thick enough that it doesn't drain effectively. And so most of the sinuses, well, all of the sinuses have some way of draining, you know, usually little teeny tiny holes. Um, and our sinuses aren't huge. The maxillary sinuses are the biggest ones and they're about an inch across and all the rest of them are much smaller. So you can imagine that the, the holes that drain them are also um, quite, quite small. And so if they get blocked up and can't drain effectively, that's when we get all that pressure and um, the, you know, the gross stuff. Um, a lot of, um, a lot of uh, stuff that I've heard recommended is it's terrible, but it's time. Um, sometimes um, uh, sinuses can get inflamed from bacteria and antibiotics 
can treat that. Sometimes it's viral and there's not a lot you can do besides mitigating the the symptoms. Um, so like, you know, pain medications for the pain. And um, um, I don't get sinus infections that often. I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate with that. I have other issues, but, um, but when I have had sinus infections and that, that pain is just right there, I've had relief from like putting like a warm washcloth, like on my cheeks, uh, you know, above or, or, um, under my eyes, just that, that warm kind of heat, um, just helps make it feel better. I don't know if it does anything or not, but I do have, um, and I found this out from an MRI that I had on my head for a different issue, but I have a, a small cyst in my right sphenoid sinus that is um, mucus producing. So I get a little extra mucus, you know, just coming out of that sinus and it drains into my eustachian tube. And um, when it gets a little more active, it kind of ebbs and flows because cysts just do that. Um, my It'll drain out of my right ear, like when I lay down at night. And so um, I have found sometimes relief from laying down, you know, just letting letting gravity help. Um, decongestants can help uh, from some of the things that I've read. Um, you want to be careful about side effects for that as far as your voicing and stuff is concerned because they are drying. What they're doing is trying to suppress the mucus production. Um, it doesn't actually make the infection go away. Um, just makes the body stop producing mucus and that has its own issues, you know, because um, if it's stopping the mucus production in your sinuses, it's also stopping the mucus production on your vocal folds. So you want to be careful with that um, and can um, dry out your mouth and dry out your throat and everything. Um, some people swear by neti pots. Um, I've never tried one, um, so I, I don't know. Um, I've heard other people say that that helps um, too. I for we my both my husband and I for a while were using neti pots and and that did help kind of to flush things out. And I know there's fancy ones that like do all those things, but I think there's a mixed uh, recommendation. Our osteopath is like that is not recommended, and then other people are like, nope, that's the only way I can get relieve. So I think that do, I would say to people, do your research, get your opinions from your medical professionals who thinks that that is a, a wise thing to do. But you also have to be make, you have to make sure that you use the neti pot properly and put boiled, clean water through it. Cause there's been people that have, um, not done that with horrific, horrific, uh, don't Google it. Don't, yeah, don't, <laughs> go there. Don't you know, Google it. One of the challenges that when I, um, so I get sinus headaches. So sometimes the headache that I get, although I feel it here, I have to take sinus medication for it because it's actually a sinus headache. And, mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily feel stuffed up. But, mm -hmm. but like, I know it's a sinus headache when my teeth ache, like my teeth will jut, my top jaw and my teeth will be sore. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, our, um, our bodies can radiate pain to, to different places. Um, I have the same issue sometimes with, um, totally different thing, but I, I have some, uh, tension in my SCM muscle, you know, which goes from my jaw down to my sternum and it radiates pain to the top of my head. You know, it's weird how everything is super connected, you know, but 
I, I go to my massage therapist and she beats up on my neck for a little bit and my head feels better. <laughs> you know, um, that's just the way that it is. And sinuses are kind of that, that way too. And it makes sense that your nose wouldn't be stuffed up because it's not your nasal passages. There are holes that are around your, your nose. Um, and they just happen to be full of gunk. Um, sometimes, uh, people with allergies too, that, you know, one of the ways that our bodies responds to allergies sometimes is to overproduce mucus and, and allergies can cause sinus issues too. Um, and so, you know, maintaining your, your allergy regimen can be helpful for that. But yeah, those, those, it's, it's amazing too. And I'll point people to a guy on YouTube that I love. His name is Sam Webster. He's in the UK and he's an anatomy professor at a medical school and he, um, he has wonderful videos. And so if you look up his paranasal video, he, um, actually has a human skull, you know, cause he's an anatomy guy. He's got, I mean, I am envious of his models. <laughs> he has so many of them, but he has a human skull that he takes the, like the light on his cell phone and he shines it through and you can see like where the sinuses are. And it's amazing, like how thin the bone is, where your sinuses are. They're super, I mean, it's really, really thin. You can see like that light very brightly, you know, through, through that space. And, you know, we tend to think of bone as hard, you know, obviously. Um, and and it, it is, but it's not immovable. You know, even hard things can have a little bit of give to them. So where that bone is super thin, that, that mucus can kind of push out on it and push on other things. And um, that, I mean, yeah, that hurts. <laughs> um, so, but it's super cool too. If I, I really loved his little segment and I, I just pointed to it, like the frontal sinuses that we have kind of in our brow bone, um, um, they, they can be multi- uh, or different shaped and we can have different numbers of them just based on in, in like kind of uh, just body differences. You know, I may have more or, f uh, or fewer than, than you have. And um, it's just, it's super interesting how our skulls can be a little bit different from one another. I have to say, this is purely anecdotal, but whenever I go for a massage, I always ask for them to do the the, the above the brow and down along, like around the sinuses. And I find, and then they get in around my jaw. Like I love a good face massage. And I find that that always seems to give me some relief. And again, that's probably other muscular challenges that I'm dealing with, but I have to say the, and I've also had acupuncture, uh, in, in, around in the nose and, and stuff for, for those types of, of things. And again, I, uh, I know again, those are, those are therapies that you have to choose for yourself. And some people are, have great success with them. Some people do not. So you have to fend for yourself. But, um, I've, I've had, um, I had a series of sinus infections and I had gone through, you know, the antibiotics and I was still struggling and did the, did the neti pot and it, you know, it came back and it was, it was, and it was probably running its course, but I also had some acupuncture and it did, that was kind of like the end of it. So I was like, okay, well maybe next time I'll start with the acupuncture and we'll <laughs> see how it goes. Well, it, it kind of makes sense if you think about how thin that bone is, you know, maybe just pushing on it a little bit, just kind of squishes the stuff out of your sinuses a bit. I don't know. I have a facial roller too that I got from 
And I have migraines and migraine, my migraines tend to be like right around my right eyebrow. So, you know, that's an, that's a nerve thing, but still, you know, like just kind of pushing on those bones, just, I don't know if it doesn't <laughs> anything, you know, like really therapeutic or not, but it just feels good just to kind of put a little, little counter pressure, but the, the, the facial roller thing, I'm also hoping that it gets the puffy circles out from under my eyes, you know, that maybe hoping for a miracle there, but, but it just, it does, it feels good to just put that little extra pressure, um, um, on, on your face there, you know, those, that, that space is either full of mucus or it's full of air, you know, and air has its own pressure too. Air is not, um, totally benign. Um, and if I get, if that little, little cyst in my sphenoid sinus gets, gets active again, I can always hear it draining because it like, it sounds like Rice Krispies popping underneath my eyeball. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, bodies are so weird. They're so cool. <laughs> but I can always tell when it's getting a little, a li- it wants a little bit of attention. <laughs> oh my gosh. I should probably put a warning before this segment just saying, you know, there's the, <laughs> we're going to get a little gross in here. But honestly, like if you're a singing teacher and voices and vocal folds, like I find that stuff fascinating. So hopefully you know. my listeners do too. Uh, well, if you've I, been a human for any more than five minutes, you've probably yeah. come across something that's just a little weird. Pretty gross. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Uh, Heather, thank you so much. I, I love these segments and I, they're so helpful. Um, and again, I want to remind everybody, it, it, these are not, we're not giving you any kind of medical advice for your own health. You need to mm-hmm. do your due diligence and talk to your healthcare professionals uh, and the people that you work with about your healthcare, about what the best recommendations are. But it certainly is helpful to know a little bit more about the cavities in our body. <laughs> Heather, um, how can, uh, how can my listeners find and follow you for more delicious topics such as the sinuses? (laughs) There's, there's way less gross things too, to, to to follow before. Um, you can find me on my website, drheathernelson.com. And there you can find links to my socials, um, if you want to just go to Instagram, I'm at Dr. Heather Nelson, um, also on Facebook as well. Um, and on my website, you can uh, go to the resource page or the links page, either one. Resources will get you some fun stuff, including the weekly theme that I'm blogging about. And uh, the links page will um, get you a link to sign up for a, a teacher talk with me or for pedagogy happy hour or to sign up for my mailing list or anything fun that I've shared on the socials re- recently. I love it. Thank you, Heather, for all the work you do and for your passion for all things anatomy and science. I do love it. And of course, we will have you back for more delightful topics in in the future. Thank you so, so much. Absolutely. This is fun. I want to thank Heather and Sarah for sharing their amazing information, all of their amazing offers. Friends, if you're feeling stuck, if you're feeling a little down, it's been a hard winter, it's been a tough pandemic, there is nothing better to shake things up in your studio than reaching out to professionals 
who are so kind and knowledgeable and incredible. Please visit them. Visit, sign up for their newsletters. Uh, find them on the socials. Both Sarah and Heather do fabulous Facebook Lives and Instagram Live videos. Please check them out and find them. And if you can, tell them you heard them on the Full Voice Podcast. Don't forget that the early bird registration for the Nats convention in July 2022 is now open. I hope to see you there. I hope to meet you. I hope to say hello. And I am so excited to be able to be in person, to hug my friends, to share wonderful information and to learn and grow. As always, my friend, my colleague, wherever you are, I am wishing you a speedy spring. Goodbye, snow and ice. Uh, a warm weather ahead. And as always, inspired teaching and happy singing. <laughs>